0: Hello Duke fans and welcome to episode 349 of the Duke basketball report podcast. It is Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. I am your host. I am Sam Klein. I am coming to you from Boston. I am joined as always by Jason Evans and Donald wine. Gentlemen, it's great to see you, Donald. How
1: are you today? I'm doing great. I am in Kansas City for the U.S. women's national team match that's taking place tomorrow. Uh, just landed here and our, don't worry. I already got some barbecue, so we're good to go. Uh, but the NBA opened last night. So this is one of the best times of the year for me. One of my favorite leagues, professional leagues, especially to watch basketball season is back, which means we are just around the corner from the start of college basketball season.
0: And even though we had to fret so much about Kyrie Irving over the last couple of weeks being the biggest bonehead in the NBA, totally overshadowed now by Ben Simmons. So uh, Duke fans, wow. sigh of relief. We don't LSU have enough. Fans, we don't have LSU enough time on this just, podcast for this. LSU fans generally just like not having a good time the, the, this last week or so, if, they're, if they are rooting for Ben Simmons at all. I have no
2: idea if they do. Yo, yo, Ben Simmons got kicked out of practice, and I'm just praying, I'm hoping, that when reporters finally get a chance to ask him about it, he, he says practice we're talking about practice not a game
1: yeah you can't use that twice in philly they will eat him alive if he uses alan iverson's words in philadelphia about practice do you understand like that man will not live and <laughs> the news and
0: awesome the, and the news was that he that he left practice to go to a strip club
1: uh so yeah apparently he left uh he left we already spending more more time on this uh, he left <laughs> practice because he didn't want to do a defensive drill and and Doc was like, well, if you're not doing defensive drills, you're not on this team. Get out of practice. And Ben was basically like, that's exactly what I wanted to you guys to say. And so he left and apparently went to uh, not a strip club, the strip club in Philly. I don't need to say the name. If you're from Philly, you already know.
0: All right. We don't need to spend more I, time on this. I, Jason Evans. I did. I did my up, bas- man? I did my bachelor party at that strip club. <clears throat> no, you didn't. I think Tell I think, us don't tell you know, us more. No, we're no. a we're a a. You know what it is. Show. You know what it is. This is yeah.
2: 30 years ago. This is 30 years ago. But yes. Yes. My bachelor party was at a strip club. I was alive then. <laughs> Jason. You, got, you haven't you haven't asked me how my poker went in Las Vegas. Jason,
0: Jason, tell us how did you do at the World Series of Poker?
2: So in the two tournaments I entered, in the first tournament, I was on a flush draw that didn't hit, and that knocked me out. In the second tournament, the guy I was playing against was on a flush draw, and his hit, and it knocked me. So the flush draw took me out, and then the flush draw took me out the other way. That is the most poker thing ever.
1: No more flushes for for Jason. Jason, if you're a flush out there, uh, he is upset at you. All kinds of flushes, straight flushes, royal flushes, you know, toilet flushes, all of them. He's 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 mad at you now.
0: The lesson here is don't gamble.
2: Uh, <laughs> That's probably right.
0: <laughs> or or gamble smarter. Uh, yeah. be, be, be great. All right. We don't need to talk anymore about gambling, although I'm sure it comes up because it comes up all the time when people talk about sports. That is what we do here. Uh, specifically we talk about Duke basketball and this week it is a little bit of a little bit of a, a pre preview, I would say, because we have, uh, ACC preseason awards out this week and also, uh, exhibition games are, 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 Getting started uh, this weekend, Duke obviously has its uh, has its secret scrimmage against Villanova coming up soon, uh, and and other teams are starting to starting to tip off, and we're getting our first glimpses of the rest of the ACC. So what I want to do today is first talk through the ACC preseason awards uh, that would be Player of the Year, Freshman of the Year, First Team, etc., as well as the uh, team rankings in which Duke came in first. We're going to do that and then we'll come back and we'll dive a little deeper on some of the ACC teams that we are interested in seeing how they perform, particularly during the uh, during the non-conference slate. Because what we normally do on the show, if you've been with us for a few years, is that once ACC season really kicks off, like in around mid-December, we'll do a more formal preview of the ACC and and sort of what we think of, of all the teams at that point with all the non-conference or most of the non-conference games completed so that we have a little bit of an idea of who the teams are. But let's start with the preseason awards. So as I mentioned, Duke came in first in the uh, ACC media poll. Uh, They got 47 first-place votes. Second place was Florida State with 14. So Duke was the runaway pick for for. For winning the ACC, it was Florida State followed by North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech. You're probably noticing that these are some of the same teams that typically are at the top of the conference. So not a lot of changes there Uh, down at the bottom. Uh, the, the conference rounds out with, with Wake Forest, Pitt, and Boston College. So uh, unfortunately, our old friend Jeff Capel is is down there at the bottom. And then there's the the typical mishmash of, of teams in the middle. I think the general scuttlebutt this year is that the, the ACC is probably not going to be as strong as it normally is. But guys, before we do the individual uh, award looks, can we talk a little bit about these preseason ACC rankings? And Jason, I'll start with you. Uh, any surprises here? In particular, any surprise that, that Duke is rated number one, or any of the teams that are immediately following them?
2: No, I'm not surprised that Duke is is picked at the top of the ACC. We've got a a, a nice core of of returning players, and we added the the top class the top class of freshmen. Um, certainly in the conference, probably the number two class in the country to Memphis, um, but but a really really impressive. Um, array of newcomers uh, uh, coming to Duke a- as evidenced by the fact that Paolo Bancaro is the, the pick for ACC rookie of the year. And the-, the guy who is number two is Trevor Keels. So the ACC media thinks that Duke has the two best rookies, best freshmen in the entire conference, joining our team and, and joining a team that already had some, some really significant returning players in Mark Williams and Wendell Moore and uh, Jeremy Roach and the such. So, uh, I, so I'm not surprised at all that, that Duke was, was the pick for the top of the conference. I, I find, and we're going to get more into this later on when we talk about some of these individual teams, I find that the, the sports writers for the most part, just basically go by like team reputation. The fact is, Duke, Florida state, North Carolina, Virginia as the top four, like those have been the top four teams in the conference for the past five, six years. And so I think the sports writers just automatically pick those teams. I'm not, I I'm, I'm not sure that I would, in fact, I'm certain those would not be my top four. And, and I think there's some, there's some really interesting oversights um, and teams that are both uh, and teams that are overrated in this preseason poll. And, and, uh, you know, I I feel like maybe some of these journalists, they they just didn't pay much attention to some of these other teams in the conference. Um, But we're going to get more into that later. There's one team in particular that I, that I think is criminally, Underrated, but we'll discuss that down the road. And and we will talk about the
0: uh, individual preseason awards in a second. But Donald, uh, any further reaction to the preseason team ratings in the ACC?
1: Not for me. I mean, great expectations. You know, the book, whatever it is, like every single year that book is written and Duke is usually at the top because you know, I don't need the media to tell us we have great expectations. We've been placing that in ourselves this entire time. I will say for the record that I'm pretty sure it's like six or seven out of the last 10 years, Duke has been rated the number one team by the media in the preseason. You know, obviously we've won a national championship in that range. We've won a couple of ACC titles or or at least tournament titles, but there have been teams that have stepped up. And I know we'll talk about a couple of them that may or may not step up this year, not just on this show, but in, in future episodes, but, I think when it comes to this, Duke is going to always have an expectation of being great this year, being no exception, especially with the storyline of coach K entering his uh, swan song final year as the coach that obviously is going to elevate the expectations. And I I think the media kind of, you know, are, are just playing into that like they do every year with Duke being great. But having said that, like Jason said, we have the guys where it's not something where people should say we are overrated by any stretch. This is a really good basketball team and they're only going to get better with practice.
2: You, you know, one interesting thing is, like, like you said, I think, like, I believe you're correct. Duke's been the preseason media pick. I, I think it's six out of the past 10 years. Duke hasn't, now, uh, the ACC regular season crown is is a dubious title at best because of the unbalanced schedule. But Duke hasn't won the ACC media crown, the sorry, the ACC regular season crown. I think it's one time in the past decade. I think be- it was 20,
1: 2015. Maybe. And it's
0: only, no. and, and and they've only tied. Um, I don't think they've won it outright since yes. even longer than that.
2: Right. So, so take these preseason rankings for what they're worth, which is not much
0: <laughs> uh, on the, on the individual front. I don't want to linger on the, on the team front, because I think the individual awards are interesting for a few reasons, particularly for Duke fans, as Jason okay. mentioned Paulo Bancaro is the ACC preseason Player of the Year. Uh, this is an award that has gone to a few Duke freshmen in the past, so this is not unprecedented. And uh, we are certainly hoping that he follows through on that promise. He is joined on the ACC preseason first team by four returning players. So there are only there's only one freshman on that uh, All ACC preseason first team. And that's Paulo Bancaro, but the rest of the guys are names that uh, I think. Most of us will be familiar with Buddy Bayheim, Keve Aluma, Armando Baycott, and Isaiah Wong uh, from Miami. Uh, the ACC second team, I don't need to read them all, but two more Duke guys featured there, Mark Williams and Wendell Moore. That tells you that the media thinks that uh, Paulo, Mark Williams, and Wendell Moore uh, are, are Duke's most important and, and best players this year, which I think would, would mostly track with our expectations. We can talk a bit about A.J. Griffin. Uh, on that player of the year count, Paulo, I said came in first with the most votes, and uh, Wendell Moore and, and Mark Williams were kind of down ballot there. Moore came in sixth, and, and Mark Williams came in eighth. He, he had the, the he had two votes for ACC preseason player of the year, which I find very interesting. I would love to deep dive on the journalists who thought Mark Williams is going to be ACC preseason player of the year. Yo, no, yo, no, wait, that, Sam, Sam, I don't think because I don't think that's
2: a, that's not a crazy
0: I, that is not a crazy pick. I don't think it I don't think it's crazy. I think it would be awesome if that was the case and I definitely <laughs> see it yeah. happening. Uh, and and for ACC freshman of the year, the only other award, uh, Paulo of course ran away, ran away with that one. He got the vast majority of the votes, but in second place, as Jason mentioned, Trevor Keels with five votes. AJ Griffin did not appear and that's actually where I would like to start is a bit of a conversation about A.J. Griffin and the and the expectations here. Donald, do you think that A.J. Griffin not being on any of these lists is a reflection of how the media thinks he's going to fare in general, or is this mostly a result of his injury?
1: I think it's mostly a result of his injury history, coupled with the recent injury that he got on his knee. That means that he's probably not going to play as many games as some of these other freshmen to get the stats and the numbers that you would want to compare when you're talking about end-of-year uh, favorite uh, freshman-of-the-year awards or any other award. So I, I don't think it's a, a necessarily because of his talent. I think it's just because the media is probably skeptical how many games that he will feature in with injury and also just getting back up to speed because when you have a knee injury, it takes a little bit to get back up to speed. So I think that's what we're looking at here. The one thing I will mention, though, uh, and I was it, we're t- to go back to freshman Paula Bancaro. We were talking about this before the show started, but uh, this is an interesting nugget that Paula Bancaro was preseason ACC player of the year, but was third on the preseason all ACC first team. Usually you have a guy who's you know going to be getting at the top or near the top of both, but buddy Bayham ran away with the, with the votes for the ACC first team, but he came in third for the ACC Player of the Year. So I thought that was pretty interesting that the one freshman that's on that list is the one that media thinks is going to be the best player in the ACC, or at least win that award when the season's over.
2: Hey, I, I could be wrong. I, I feel like I read, I don't think there has been a freshman-picked ACC Player of the Year, Preseason Player of the Year, um, in at least... 20 years, uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to, to look and check back in the 1990s and, and you know, 80s and such. I, there's no way it would happen in the 80s. Probably no way it would happen in the 90s. But but I think like even if, like Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, um, Marvin Bagley, you know, some of the greats that Duke has had over the year. None of those guys were picked as ACC preseason player of the year. Some of them were, were all ACC first team, but none of them were player of the year. Paolo is, I believe, the first player to be ACC preseason player of the year as a freshman. I could be wrong, but I think that may be the case.
0: I was just trying to look this up because I could have sworn
2: that, like you were saying, Jason,
0: at least one of like Zion Williamson or um, even if it was Vernon Carey or Jolly Ford,
2: none of these guys. Get this, Zion wasn't even ACC preseason uh, all first team. The the first team that year. That's stupid. uh, So so (laughs) you guys, so this will be fun. See if you can. can There's no way you're gonna be able to guess. The guy who won preseason ACC player of the year, you're gonna freaking laugh. Was I, it Bonzi Colson? No, awesome. no, no, this can be awesome. Bonzi Colson, no. Uh, Bonzi Colson had graduated by then. The guy I who never. won ACC <laughs> yeah. preseason player of the year in RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson's freshman season was Luke May of the UNC Tar Heels.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember him. I hated him. Not that guy.
2: Nope. <laughs> yeah. So, and and the first team was Luke May. It was Tyus Battle of Syracuse, R.J. Barrett, Kyle Guy of Virginia, and Kai Bowman of Boston College. That was the, um, in the 2018-2019 season. That was the preseason list. The postseason list very, very different. <laughs> remember when Zion, Zion Williamson?
1: Else? Remember when people thought Zion Williamson wasn't all that. <laughs> remember he was the number two player. In that high school class? No, no he, no, three. no, he was number three. He was. Oh, sorry, three. he was number three. Ken Reddish Cam was number three. two. Yeah,
0: fascinating. I, A lot of the, people. <laughs> the, the thing that is most striking to me, as I mentioned, is that all the all the other guys on the preseason ACC first team are all are all experienced players. Like these are guys who have all been around, and and the Duke fans are very familiar with. And that Paulo Banquera is the only newcomer in the group. So that that sort of tells you, I think, uh, that, that how much the you know how highly the media. Um, think of of Paulo. Of course, we had him on the show, and I think we we think highly of him too. Jason, I think you've got some more uh, trivia yeah. around this. Tell yeah, me, about ready? It.
2: So, so, I'm going to ask you guys. Can either of you recall? Do you have any shot at remembering who was ACC preseason player of the year last year? Me. <laughs> it was it was Garrison Brooks of North Carolina. Uh, Garrison yeah. Brooks was ACC preseason player of the year. By the end of the season, he did not even get a single honorable mention vote. I mean, that shows you (laughs) how much guys can, you know, how great guys can look at one point in the season before the season starts and then after the season is played out. Again, preseason player of the year doesn't even get an honorable mention vote. Um, In fact, last year of the guys who were named to the first team all ACC, the only player who was named first team who then made first or second team all ACC was Sam Hauser of Virginia, and he he was a second team All ACC player, I believe. He wasn't first team. Uh, so it's it's really interesting to me. The other guys who were All ACC first team last year were Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson, Amir Sims, and Chris Likes, and Sam Hauser. And, and the uh,
1: the other Jalen Johnson, not the not the Duke one. No,
2: correct? the Duke Jalen Johnson. Oh Our preseason, Johnson.
1: preseason. I'm sorry, Pre- I thought you meant most-season.
2: This is preseason. Uh-huh. But uh, that just shows you, you know, from that list. And again, of those five guys, the only one who made first or second team all ACC once the season was done was Sam Hauser. Um, It it just kind of shows you to, you know, again, take it with a huge grain of salt. What the media thinks is not necessarily what's going to end up happening.
1: I want to shift back to the rookie or the freshman of the year race, uh, because Trevor Keels being second is a pretty interesting thing, given that this came out, I believe, on Monday, these uh, preseason uh, rankings or the, this list, which was right after Countdown to Craziness, and we marveled about how well he looked during Countdown to Craziness. I wonder if that also played a little bit into uh, some of these races, because it wasn't it obviously wasn't just Duke that had uh, something of that magnitude of a spectacle of, of a midnight practice uh, last weekend. There was a lot of teams who kind of sh- showcased their team for the first time in an effort to get more names on this list. Trevor Keels, I think we all talk about the expectations we have for him and, and how elevated they are now that A.J. Griffin will at least be out for the first few games of the regular season. I think Trevor Keels having a great night on Friday night and being kind of the talk of of the talk of, of Duke Circles meant that he kind of got into the heads of some of the media as well. I think that's a very interesting pick, and I'm hoping that if he's on this list at the end of the year, Jason, this is going to be a great, great year because if he's back and A.J. Griffin goes back and they're all to expectations, we have some really good basketball players on this team. You,
2: you know, we should mention about AJ Griffin and, and about you know everybody that uh, just because you're not on the preseason list doesn't mean anything. As I said, you know, guys that are on the list end up having a poor season. Last year's ACC Player of the Year, Moses Wright of Georgia Tech, was nowhere to be found on any of these preseason lists. No one expected Moses Wright to have a, you know, a big season. You know, people thought maybe Jose Alvarado of Georgia Tech would be good, but Moses Wright came out of nowhere and was pretty much the, uh, you know, the runaway ACC player of the year last year. Um, uh, so it just goes to show, Hey, AJ Griffin, just cause he ain't around now he could easily be all over these lists at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the media at least, you know, minus AJ Griffin being uh, being left off because of injuries. I think the, the media highlighted the players for Duke that are going to have the most impact this year. Uh, if it's not, if it's not Paulo, I think Wendell Moore and, and Mark Williams are going to are going to make that huge impact and I was laughing earlier about the idea of ACC player of the year Mark Williams but there were games at the end of last season where Mark Williams was unstoppable and basically at, like at both ends of the floor he was unstoppable he was he was making shots he was blocking shots he was just disrupting everything that opposing teams wanted to do anywhere within 15 feet of the basket so I am I will I, go on record that I am not going to be shocked at all if Mark Williams is ACC player of the year. And I will even go so far as to say that the best version of Duke's team is one where Mark Williams is in that, like, ACC. I, I don't know if it's ACC player of the year because I would still like for Paulo to get that. But if Mark Williams is like a, like a first-team all-ACC type player, oh my God, how good was Duke this year?
1: I mean, remember in the ACC tournament last year, if we hadn't COVIDed out of that tournament and we had gone... Even one one more game, Mark Williams probably had been the most outstanding player of that tournament because he oh, was yeah. through the first two games. Of oh that yeah,
0: tournament. dominant. And 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 my only final thought on this is is that it's interesting to actually see Wendell Moore on this list because he's not a guy that that stands out for any particular like oh he's so great at X. Uh, I feel like Wendell Moore defense, is more of a defense. He, he's a good defender. I don't think he's a I don't think he's a earning ACC player of the year type defender. Right, uh, right. So that, that's sort of what's interesting that stands out to me. I think that Wendell Moore, sort of like like Quinn Cook in his senior year, uh, Wendell Moore can can be the team leader and not lead the team in, in any particular category. And yet everyone can acknowledge, wow, would Duke be so much worse uh, if, the, if this guy wasn't around? So that, that's sort of the year I anticipate for him. I don't expect him to to come close to winning ACC player of the year, but I think Duke's got two legit Candidates for that in both Paulo Bancaro and Mark Williams, guys. We're going to take a break. We will obviously revisit the uh, ACC uh, Player of the Year and, and other media picks at the end of the year, and maybe we can laugh about some of these uh, selections during the year. Although I think the ACC went ACC media actually feels like it went uh, pretty safe with a lot of picks. It's a lot of returning players and star Duke freshmen who are uh, who are on the list, which is uh, which is I bet it's as good a bet as you can do. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. We're going to dive a little bit deeper on a few of these ACC teams and talk about uh, who might have some interesting schedules and storylines in the early season. So stick around.
2: Hey there, Duke fans, you know, warmer, sunnier days are calling fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals, meet your wellness goals in time for summer. Thanks to the menu of chef created meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals.
1: That's right, Jason. And Jason, I can tell you, I just got some meals. They're fantastic. And the great thing is, like you said, two minutes, mindless work, pop it in the microwave do what you need to do and it's ready to eat no more cooking no more cleaning pots and pans and also there's a lot of choices with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week so you'll always have new flavors to explore
2: all right so head to factormeals.com slash duke 50 use that code duke 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Duke BB50 at FactorMeals.com. Get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy Factor Meals from the Duke Basketball Roundup.
0: All right, guys, I want to talk about a few of these ACC programs, and and we each picked one or two. I think Jason picked three because he's an overachiever. uh, Teams that we want to talk about and and sort of pick apart uh, early season storylines that are interesting to us. So, Jason, because I think you've got the most, I'm going to let
2: you go first. Tell me about an ACC team that intrigues you. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Notre Dame. And, and I feel like I've talked about Notre Dame a, a lot on this podcast in recent weeks, but it's because Notre Dame just, they really, really, I, I really think that they're going to have a, a breakthrough season. They were picked eighth by the ACC media. Um, and, and I think that's laughably low. I, I, I can't even begin to understand how you would pick Notre Dame eighth among all the teams in the ACC. Um, Ken Pomeroy, by the way, Ken Pomeroy says Notre Dame is the third best team in the ACC. He has them 27th in the country. He thinks that this Notre Dame team is already on the cusp of being a top 25 team. They are a team, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. They're a team of nothing but seniors. The only player that they lost from last year's team is big man, Jawan Durham. And they bring in uh, an even better big man in Yale transfer, Paul Atkinson. Paul Atkinson averaged 17 and seven at Yale before he transferred to Notre Dame. And by the way, he, he transferred and sat out a year. So he is... You know, I guess you'd call him a super senior, whatever. He is an old, he is an old man on a team full of old men. Um, uh, of the seven or eight guys who are going to be in their rotation, um, I don't think a single one of them needs to worry about getting a fake ID to have a drink. They're, they're just they're all old. They're all men. None of these guys are boys, and they're going to be playing mostly against boys. Um, they they are uh, Notre Dame can play offense. Uh, it's entirely possible that all five starters in this team will average double figures for them. Um, last year, Ken Pomeroy said that they had one of the 25 best offenses in the country. This year in his preseason projections, he says that Notre Dame has the number six offense in the land. I want to repeat that. Ken Pomeroy says that this Notre Dame offense is the sixth best offense in the entire country. The question with Notre Dame is going to be defense. And I think Mike Bray took a really important step toward fixing the defensive problem that he has with this team because he brought in uh, Anthony Solomon as, as an assistant coach, actually associate head coach, Anthony Solomon was an assistant at Notre Dame for, for many years. He then left. um, He was at Dayton for a few years. He's now back. And Solomon was, uh, he's supposed to be a defensive whiz. He was the guy right next to Mike Bray in 2015 and 2016, when Notre Dame made back-to-back elite eights. And Mike Bray has talked about how important it was to get Anthony Solomon back on the bench with him to teach these guys defense. And when I was listening to Mike Bray at ACC Media Day uh, a week ago or so, Mike Bray said that in practices so far, they hadn't even worked on offense at all. All they'd been doing the whole time was defense. These Notre Dame seniors, these guys know that this is their last season. They know that if they dedicate themselves to defense, their offense will carry them and, and that they can be really, really good. And Prentice Hub, by the way, we were talking about ACC player of the year contenders. I won't be even mild, mildly surprised if Prentice Hub's name is way, way up there on the ACC player of the year list. Um, I, I, I think this Notre Dame team, you know, Pomeroy has them third. I'd probably make them third or fourth in the ACC in the preseason. They're a really, really good team. And, and they're just criminally overlooked by the writers. It makes no sense to me that the, the writers would have them eighth.
0: Jason, who do you think of the, is the overrated team that, that Notre Dame is, or teams that Notre Dame is better
2: than? Virginia. Uh, To me, there's no question about it. I I don't get the preseason love for Virginia. I mean, they lost, listen to this. Virginia lost Trey Murphy, Sam Hauser, and Jay Huff. That's their three best players, right? I mean, unless you think Kihei Clark who who's too short to defend anyone, unless you think Kihei Clark is really, but unquestionably Hauser and Huff were their two best players and Trey Murphy was at worst their fourth best player. So they lost three of their four best players or, or their top three players. Um, the only guys they bring back are Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman, um, both of whom to me aren't really difference makers in the ACC. Uh, yeah. All right. But, but I mean, Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman aren't starting on most ACC teams in my, not, not team, not teams at the top of the conference. And, and Virginia's freshmen are mostly international players. They're they're not expected to be huge different makers, difference makers from day one. They got a couple nice transfers. I mean, Virginia's, It's going to be counting on transfers. They got Amon Franklin from Indiana. They got Jaden Gardner from East Carolina. Gardner's really good. He he looks like a a player who can really score for them. But Virginia usually has – guys need time to learn the defense that Virginia plays. Um, The pack line defense is not an easy thing to to get overnight. So you've got a Virginia team that's bringing in a bunch of new players because they lost all their – you know they lost most of their most experienced players a Virginia team that usually counts on being a great defensive team. It, it just doesn't match up for me. I, I don't the, the ACC media voted Virginia fourth. I think Virginia's at best sixth or seventh in the conference. This is a rebuilding year for Virginia. If, if Tony Bennett, Bennett gets these guys to fourth in the conference, he deserves a lot of player uh, coach of the year consideration because the roster just isn't there. Donald, who do you have as
0: ACC teams of interest this year?
1: Well, this is not a team that we need to look out for as far as, you know, the top of the rankings. Actually, you need to look closer to the bottom rankings, but they're my law school alma mater. So we're going to discuss them anyway. And that's the Miami Hurricanes. Um, they are picked to finish 12th in, uh, by the media in the ACC, which is not good. That's 12 out of 15 teams, but they do have one of the best players in the ACC in Isaiah Wong. He tested the NBA draft waters, but then he returned to the U. He decided to withdraw from the draft and he's going to be someone to watch. Also, they have this new freshman, Wugu Poplar, who is sixth in the ACC Freshman Player of the Year voting, so you should watch out for him. The thing about Miami, though, is is like a lot of teams that we'll talk about, They had a lot of turnover with players leaving through the transfer portal or graduation. Chris Likes was the main guy who graduated the kind of heart and soul of the team last year, who was injured for a lot of the season. But they lost like eight or nine guys through the transfer portal. They did get a couple of guys back. Wong obviously came back from the NBA draft. Cameron McGusty is also back. So if he's healthy this year, then he could really help them. Harlan Beverly and Din Gak are also guys. But really, that's it. As far as experience in the form of minutes from last season, so the question for them is: they'll have some size, but who's going to help Wong score? Is it McGusty? McGusty didn't again; he was injured a lot last year, so he didn't get that opportunity. But who is going to be the player or players that step up from a scoring standpoint, along with Wong, because that's the difference between Miami being at the bottom of the ACC and you know maybe fighting for mid-table. Uh, because that is really the extent of this team. They have a again new guys coming in, new chemistry. Uh, but in Miami, with with you know Lauren down there, who knows what could happen with this team? So they'll be an interesting team to watch, mostly for the fact that Isaiah Wong is one of the best scorers in the ACC, and he is really just a dynamic player to watch night in and night out.
0: I took a little bit of a look at Florida State as a team of interest. This is a squad Leonard Hamilton's team is is always very competitive in the ACC if they're not number 1 they're they're 2 or 3 the last few years and they've done it with with a fair bit of roster turnover this year a lot of roster turnover three of the top 5 guys in minutes uh, are are gone including Scotty Barnes the the freshman who was who was so amazing in in spurts for Florida State but a lot of the rest of the starting lineup is gone and some of it replaced by a uh, couple of transfers who were very interesting. Cameron Fletcher, who uh, comes over from Kentucky, didn't play much, but was a Kentucky recruit. So how bad could he possibly be? And Caleb Mills, uh, who was very productive at Houston, but then left the team uh, early last season, uh, is also in the fold for Florida State. I think if you're also thinking about sort of how good is this conference, how good is the ACC? Florida State has a few really great matchups early in the, in the non-conference um, they're going to play at Florida early in the year. Uh, Florida is Florida's going to be a, a very strong team again this year. And then Purdue, who is one of the strongest teams, not just in the Big Ten, but in the whole country. Um, uh, FSU draws them for ACC Big Ten Challenge. So they're going to play at Purdue this year at, at, at Mackey Arena those are going to be two really big highlight games for Florida state and for the conference, because this is one of those teams that if they win a couple of these, if they, if they win these two big non-conference games, the profile of the conference I think is raised. So I'm looking out at, at Florida state. And also because you know, that one of my favorite topics to, to come back to, uh, time and time again is, is Leonard Hamilton and the ham sauce. Uh, so I, 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 I love seeing Leonard Hamilton on the sideline because it gives us all hope that we may also be a thousand years old and still look like we're 35. Um, and, and that, that just sparks a lot of joy. Jason, I think you had uh, maybe one more team. I think it was Virginia tech uh, who who's intriguing to you. Cause you talked about Virginia. So talk about uh, talk about their rivals in the Hills.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so Virginia tech, um, the ACC media picked them fifth. I would um, uh, I, I might, Bump them up as high as third. I really like this Virginia Tech team. Um, I definitely think they could challenge for top two or three in the league. They lost Tyrese Radford to to transfer. um, And Duke fans should be glad that he's gone because he absolutely destroyed us last year. Do you guys remember? He had 18 and 12. And he's a guy who's playing on the wing to get 12 rebounds from a wing. He was was really good against us. So they lost him, but they bring everything else back, including Kevay Aluma, who um, you know, absolutely will challenge for ACC player of the year. Um, in fact, you know, the media sort of says if it's not Paolo, um, Keve Luma is sort of the, the next most likely pick for for player of the year in the ACC. Um, and the rest of the team just got a year older and wiser. Um, and they add a really nice transfer. Storm Murphy, what a great name, by the way. Storm Murphy was the best player on Wofford last year in the past couple of years. A really, really steady point guard who can lead the team. He was easily among the best players in the Southern Conference last year. Obviously, he knows Mike Young really well. Mike Young, the head coach at Virginia Tech, used to be at Wofford. And so when Storm Murphy decided it was time to move on from Wofford, he went back to his old head coach. Uh, Vatech was a tournament team last year, and it seems to me like this team this year is better than they were last year. Um, I think they could be one of the top 20 teams in the country. And they have some really interesting times that we're going to get to see how good they are on their schedule. Um, they've got a game against, they're going to be playing Memphis. They're in the preseason NIT and, um, they're going to be playing Memphis, uh, on, I think it's November 24th. And then the winner of that game, uh, you know, depending on whether they win or lose, they'll have Iowa state or Xavier in the NIT. They also play Maryland in the ACC big 10 challenge. And they've got a game against St. Bonaventure, um, in December, just a couple days before Virginia tech plays Duke, they play St. Bonaventure and St. Bonaventure is one of the best mid-majors in the country. Uh, you know, we're used to seeing Virginia Tech schedule a bunch of patsies, a bunch of really, really bad teams. I think you can tell that Mike Young thinks that this year's team uh, has the potential to be special in, in some of the scheduling. That game against Memphis, you know, that you're playing a top-10 team there. That will be a huge, huge test. The game against Maryland, you know, playing a good team from the Big Ten. The, these are games where Virginia Tech has a chance to really build up a strong resume and, uh, and I think Virginia Tech is going to be a real team to watch out for in the conference. And Kevin Aluma is just a joy to watch. That guy's a special player. All right, Donald, round us out. Give,
0: give me one more interesting ACC team uh, heading into the non-conference season.
1: Well, that team is Syracuse, and here's why. They are a team that every year we talk about Syracuse should be probably better than they are, but they just keep floating in the middle of the pack of the ACC. The intriguing thing is, Will they try to make it into that top tier? I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that they keep aiming for, but they somehow seem to even underperform their expectations. But there's a couple of guys here that obviously we need to look out for on Syracuse. One is Buddy Bayheim. Of course, again, he got the most votes on the preseason All-ACC first team. He was third in preseason ACC Player of the Year. Benny Williams was seventh in preseason Freshman Player of the Year. But that's not the guy I want to talk about. There are three Bayheims on this roster this year. There's Jim as the coach. There is Buddy as one of the best players in the ACC. And Buddy's brother, Jimmy, Jimmy Jr., who transferred from Cornell, uh, and he will join his brother and his dad at Syracuse this season. So uh, those three guys, you're going to have a lot of Bayheim's talk uh, out there. So make sure you get it right. There's Jim, there's Jimmy, and there's Buddy. Make sure you get all those right. But there's another guy that we probably want to talk about, and that's Joe Girard III. He returns, uh, as, uh, along with Buddy Bayheim as the two main players from Syracuse who averaged more than 10 minutes a game last year. And Joe Girard and, and him are going to form a pretty good backcourt uh, for Syracuse. So they have a lot of questions at who's going to carry the scoring load. But those two guys out there is going to be commanding the floor for them. Again, the question is, will Syracuse make that bump? We've seen them. Perform at the high of the ACC when they first entered, but in the last few years they've been hovering around that middle table seven, eight, nine, and trying to get ter- you know tournament wins to try and enter the ACC or the NCAA tournament. Will they be able to make that leap this year? That's the question.
2: You know the crazy thing about Syracuse, of course, is even if they they're they're always it feels like they're always on the bubble, and then they make the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, it's kind of amazing how yeah. how well Beheim has them play once they hit the tournament. I think that. Opposing teams the, in the ACC, everybody understands how to play against that, that matchup zone. He gets the NCAA tournament, and teams just don't. They, they can't figure it out.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing that Duke actually has been fairly good at doing over the last few years. We've actually even taken some of those ideals. Coach K has uh, in, involved the uh, matchup zone at times for Duke over the last few years. But I will say this. One corollary between Duke and Syracuse that is not there this year, Griffin. If you remember AJ Griffin's brother, Alan transferred to Syracuse last season, he went for the NBA draft. He will not be at Syracuse this year. So there will not be a Griffin versus Griffin matchup uh, come January. But uh, that was a nice little corollary that we thought was going to materialize until Allen decided to go to the NBA.
2: And, and, and last thing really quick about all the Boehimes. Um, Jimmy Bayheim, the one who transferred from Cornell, didn't just transfer to Syracuse you know, because of his dad. I, I think that probably was most of it, but... He's also he's a legit player. He, he was 16, almost 17 points per game for uh, for Cornell last year. Um, he, he's he's a, a legit player. Um, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit taller than than his uh, than his brother, Buddy. Um, but but, uh, you know, he's not just coming there for the heck of it. He's coming there because better competition will better prepare him for a pro career. And he's like like Buddy. He's on his way to a pro career and all likelihood.
1: And he'll start too. he's going to be part of the starting yep. lineup along with Buddy. All
0: right. You'll notice that in all of that summary, we did not cover University of North Carolina because, let's face it, we'll talk about them plenty. We don't need to preview them. We know that the Duke fans who are anxious to know whether UNC will, uh, will implode under Hubert Davis's first year uh, will be watching the games anyway. So we don't need to get you excited for that. Of course, we will cover uh, developments around UNC and the rest of the conference as the non-conference season unfolds. But that will do it for episode 349 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Stay in touch with us, uh, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. And before we go, I just wanted to wish a very happy birthday to my father, who uh, is a Duke alum and a Duke fan. He turns uh, some undisclosed age that is older than mine today 21, 21 years old. I know that he doesn't listen, uh, despite the fact that I have had him subscribe to the show on his phone. And I'm sure that it downloads. So I bet every episode of the DBR podcast is just waiting on his iPhone for him to listen to. But happy birthday, dad. Thank you for making me a Duke fan.
2: He's going to run out of space. He's going to run out of space storage on his iPhone. And, and he himself. will just make no the iPhones idea. bigger. They make the iPhones have, bigger.
0: <laughs> he will have no idea what to do about that uh, until he sees me again. So I'm just going to have to fix it. But actually, uh, you know I, the
2: answer? You know how to get that space back?
0: Listen to the episodes. <laughs> yeah, he could. He could listen to them. Uh, I don't think he's going to. he, he. It, one of our, I mean, recurring things is that he'll call me and he'll ask me some question about Duke basketball. And I'll say, well, did you, did you listen to the show? And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? So um <laughs> I, I, I don't have, think he's I hip a, to podcasts.
2: I, I have a good friend who's a huge Duke fan. I'm not going to give him the the satisfaction of calling him out and saying him by name, but he doesn't listen to the podcast either. And I always ask him why. And he's like, if I want to hear what you have to say about Duke basketball, I pick up the phone and I call you. I'm just going like, to call. Yeah. It's yeah. an on-demand thing. <laughs>
0: So, uh, but I, but I did want to wish my father a happy birthday because he's the reason that I'm a Duke fan and, uh, and I wouldn't be on the show without him. So thanks pop. Uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, we will talk to you again. I don't know. Sometime soon. We always seem to, to, to
2: show up again in your feed. So, Oh, 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 Sam, you know why we may show up next. Why is that the secret scrimmage this weekend? Duke is playing Villanova, um, in Washington. It's the secret scrimmage and, uh, it won't be televised. Don't look for it on your dial or anything like that. But um we're hoping that there will be leaks, that there'll be little bits of information that will come out about that. And we will definitely talk about it if we get any info about that. That's a huge deal for Duke. Donald just- blink Donald, blink twice if you're going to the secret scrimmage.
1: Uh I I am not going, but this is the air plea of anyone who may have, you know, the keys to that gym. Just just make a copy for me and let me be a fly on the wall. I promise. I I, I won't say everything. I'll just you can, Donald
0: things. Donald, despite uh Despite his, he, he's, he has the ability to be everywhere. Uh, he's, he, if, if there's a cool sporting event, Donald is probably there. So, um, and he can linger in the background. He doesn't have to be in the front row, waving a flag nope. or leading cheers. No,
1: nope. I could take the night off. I could just sit there and, and observe and report. Just let me know.
0: So, so if you do have access, let Donald know, we'll be back to talk about the leaks from that. Uh, as much as there are we will talk about football again although it makes us all depressed and gives us uh, gives us stomach pains uh, we'll talk about Duke basketball that?
2: i've never put, sorry what? what what i've never heard know. of
0: that uh and and regardless we'll, we'll talk to you again soon happy birthday dad episode 349 duke basketball report podcast duke band take us home
1: hey real quick sound check um, for me can you put a finger up when you stop hearing me and put a finger down when you hear me again okay checking right, and so talking I'm, so I'm
0: hearing you right now
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. so you're talking you're talking no no finger down finger out when you don't hear me anymore do this okay I- when you hear me talk again put your finger back down okay, okay go talk, talk 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 okay just checking the mute button